welcome to another episode of Those Three Dudes. I am Luke. I'm John. And of course, we only have two dudes again. Uh, Dave is out with some uh, uh, previous engagements. Yeah. Um, Street corner. Street corner. Uh, Alec is enjoying uh, masculine feel-ups. And Chris is still playing. Street corner. Same street corner, <laughs> and yep. uh, and Chris is stuck in a Chinese finger trap with himself. So, and it, one end is not around his finger. <laughs> exactly, same street corner. <laughs> yes. I I heard Chris charges a premium for that one. So, <laughs> what he uh, has to pay the premium or they pay him well dave and alec just generally give it away for free and i think chris charges like a nickel okay so whether or not he's ever made a nickel off of that deal i don't know (laughs) but yeah but he tries he tries he is very trying so John is drinking something that is not his normal Michelob. Nope. For those of you on the audio, John has gone international. Now, Heineken. And and not Australian international. He's gone European, German, international. Yep. Ah, you know what? This would have been the perfect time for me to have a sound bite ready from Beer Fest. I I was just thinking about the part in Beer Fest when the when they're talking about them having the fourth best uh, German beer, and they were comparing the German beers by uh, who was the best one and stuff. And then Heineken, yeah, yeah, Heineken. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, and I'm drinking. Uh, is it vodka, or is it water, or is it vodka with water, or vodka with vodka? I'm saying water, and you are probably correct. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you are probably correct. Now, now I want to go get some vodka and just stick it in there just so I can be like, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so John, got I got a little bit of I got a little bit of current events. Uh so how about you know legacy media and all these all these People that are losing their shit over uh, Tucker Car- Tucker Carlson's uh, recent interview this past week. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Ah, <laughs> uh, I I haven't seen it. I heard about this meme of that was going around that has uh was it uh Barbara Streisand not Barbara Streisand Barbara Barbara Walters uh. Well, two other journalists and stuff, and it has their pictures, and then it has Tucker Carlson, 
it's because all of these all of these journalists have interviewed Putin in the past and you know Barbara Walters and the other two journalists uh the meme or their their pictures are stamped with journalists journalists or it's journalism 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 and then you get to Tucker Carlson and for some reason it's treason for him to interview yeah. Vladimir Putin Vladimir Putin of course <laughs> uh, same as the lamestream media is um, applauding that the special counsel is not going to charge Biden for having secret and top secret records at his place. Yep. And oh, yeah. and oh, and we'll we'll talk about that next. We'll talk about that one next. Yeah. <laughs> but so Tucker Carlson, I I have not made it through the full interview. I've had to. I I just I just found the actual podcast of it from uh, Tucker Carlson. I've been trying to listen to it like from the video off of uh, the, I shared his, I shared the link in the, the discord for the video. It is tuckercarlson.com um, backslash the hyphen Vladimir hyphen Putin hyphen interview. It's off of Tucker Carlson's website. Um trying to listen to the video uh, while it plays while I'm driving in my car and stuff. Uh, it is about two hours. It's yeah, it's two hours, little over two hours long. Um, and today I finally started, I found the actual podcast from Tucker Carlson and started listening to that. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it, it's drawn out. It's, it's it's a long interview and even like tucker carlson uh warns everybody in the beginning uh like he opens up with why did you invade ukraine and stuff and uh putin goes goes into like almost a half an hour uh history lesson and he knows his history i tell you what knows his history about between russia and ukraine um and uh, I, I won't get into the details and I won't give you his full answer or anything, but it makes sense. And Tucker Carlson said at first they thought that he was just sort of like stonewalling them um, for time. Uh, but then they were thinking about it more so. And by the end of it, they had sort of a decent reason and answer from Putin. But they were also thinking about, you know, there wasn't any kind of time limit. So why would he just be trying to stall for time? And yeah. it really was. He has a reason. It's just a long, drawn out history lesson of the reason why. Why he did what he did and why he waited so long to do it. So, mm -hmm. um, but I mean, the other topics, uh, he talks about the NATO expansion. Um, uh, NATO and Bill Clinton uh, talks more about Ukraine, what triggered the conflict, um, 
uh, whether he could have a peace, whether there could be a peaceful solution. Um, who who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline? Um, which he immediately said that uh, Tucker did, but, but he was half joke. But he was joking about that. But um, yeah, uh, 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 reestablishing communications with the U.S. How powerful Zelensky is? Uh, he talked about Elon Musk and AI, and then imprisoned American journalist uh, Eve, uh, Evan uh, Jerk. What is it? I can't say his last name. Anyways, the imprisoned American journalist. Um, so it, it's a pretty it's a pretty long uh, interview, and really, I'm looking forward to getting all the way through it. Um, it's it's definitely an interesting interview. Yeah. And just for just for those of you that uh, think that um, you know I'm a puppet for Putin because I was against the Ukraine war, um, and yes, uh, for those of you that don't think that, yes, we did get called lots of names by by certain individuals that thought that we were uh, endorsing Russia in this war, and we aren't. We aren't endorsing either side. Both sides suck. Um, uh, both sides are are horrible, um, and honestly, I, I don't even at this point I don't even know if I would really say that both sides are horrible. Well, the Ukraine is horrible. Um, I don't know if I would say that Russia is necessarily horrible. Yes, they've killed off. Was it like five hundred thousand Ukrainian men now so far? I think um, in this conflict, uh, which is horrible. But if they really wanted to take over the Ukraine, they would have taken over the whole Ukraine. They had no no problem getting to Kiev if they really wanted to, but they didn't. They stopped in the Donbass region, which is the region that pretty much ask russia to help them because western ukraine has been shelling Donbass since at least 2018 because it's mostly ethnic russian that live in the Donbass region so yeah anyways i digress moving on so yeah oh you got something the body count, Russia, 373,000 loss. Really? 150,000 killed, 315 casualties. Um, but they're not giving me um, the Ukraine. Yeah. I, I know that I, I had heard it from, I can't remember. I, I heard it's kind of hard to find mostly because, um, uh, Western media doesn't want people to know how bad Ukraine is losing, but Ukraine is having to resort to, um, conscripting and drafting elderly men at this point, because they've run out, they're starting to run out of, uh, 
um you know younger younger guys to fight in the war yeah um it's trying uh, some somebody said that they uh pulled up like um mass cemeteries i think i can't remember who it was pulled up some pictures of mass cemeteries uh in ukraine um uh, through satellite footage i can't remember who it was that said that they found it. it i don't think it was alex jones um or anybody having to do with him uh I mean, I know where I heard it from, and I can't remember where he said that. Said that the guy was from that actually pulled up the the pictures. But uh, from what I'm hearing is right now the estimates are right around five hundred thousand. Okay, Ukraine, one hundred and twenty-five to one hundred and thirty-one thousand casualties, with as many. As seventeen and a half thousand KIA. Yeah, that's not the case. That's not close. That's that's nowhere close. That's all pure propaganda right there. Yeah. I mean okay. if they're saying that if they're saying that Russia had that many, uh there's no way that the Ukraine had less with going against a superior fighting force. Yeah, with but the superior fight with the yeah, well, with with a superior fighting force that it isn't like they're it's not like they're fighting in a region that they don't know because mm-hmm. all of Ukraine used to be part of the Soviet Union and the Russian military used to train and everything else throughout the mm-hmm. Ukraine. <laughs> I mean, pretty much any of the, you know, any of the, any of the bases or uh, fortifications around the Ukraine that have been there for a while were built by the, by the Soviets, which yep. were the same ones that, you know, there's probably still former Soviet troops inside the Russian military teaching troops so oh yeah i mean <laughs> uh so anyways I'll, I'll i'll move on from there but uh going back to so yeah the, the media the legacy lamestream media is may be saying, oh, yeah, Joe Biden's not going to be charged. Oh, now I'm getting a feedback someplace. No, that was me. Oh, okay. I was just checking something. Make sure we had volume. So, (laughs) so they, they, they may be saying, oh, yeah, he's not going to be charged, but are they talking about the reason why he's not going to be charged no <laughs> the report says actually no oh, yes oh they, they have? are 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 they actually are they actually coming out and saying that uh the special counsel is saying that biden is 
not coherent enough yes. to okay. Well, I mean that makes sense for for the prediction that Biden will not be the front runner for the Democratic Party in the in the election and the because I know that they're talking about trying to get Newsom in as the he won't last. He wouldn't last. Newsom, uh, he's yeah. I I don't know if he he'd probably be their best chance against Trump. I mean, compared to compared to everybody else that they have, he's probably oh, their yeah. best shot. Um, yeah. And honestly, I think they're they're also hoping for um, uh, Kennedy to pull Trump votes from Trump. He would pull them from both sides. From he would, Dems yes, and Republican. He would, so, yes, but I I think that they're hoping that he'd pull more more of a significant number from uh, from. Uh, Trump. The I mean that that yeah, is I, that is a thing that that I feel uh one of the bigger diff one of the real big differences between Republicans and Democrats are Republicans uh a lot of them a lot of them how do I say this? A lot of, well, a lot of them can, you know, do more independent thinking. Yeah. And, you know, vote more for themselves. So yeah. if they don't, if they don't like Trump, they don't necessarily have to follow party lines and go with Trump. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the libertarians, um, the libertarians generally pull from Republicans every year anyways. I, I know that firsthand. <laughs> Not me, but. <laughs> but when it comes to Democrats, the diehard Democrats are going to sit there and go, oh, there's a D next to his name. I don't care if I don't care if Biden can't remember to go to the bathroom and shits his pants constantly. And he's more yeah. obsessed with eating an ice cream cone than, you know, taking care of world affairs. Yep. He has a D next to his name. I'm going to vote for him. He's a Democrat. If, if Hitler had a D. Oh yeah. Still vote for him. Oh yeah. They'd be like, oh, he isn't that bad of a guy. He's changed. Yep. Yep. That wasn't bad. Yep. And then and then after they after they, you know, voted Hitler in and everything, and he starts marching off all the OnlyFans uh queens <laughs> and all the homosexuals to train cars and stuff. Uh, they'd still be like, yeah, at least he's not Trump. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I know two people like that. <laughs> that. That vote D no matter what? No. Oh, no. That they would not vote 
for the Trump stuff. Oh, yeah. Because he tweeted mean things. <laughs> Have they ever been on the Internet? Do, do they not understand the Internet? Nope. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. But I look at it this way. Everybody has their own choice. It's the way I look at it. Yep. Yep. I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I can't. I'm not gonna say anything about Trump. I voted for him twice. I mean, I, I twice. did the classic. I did the class. Yeah. He's only he, been in once. Yeah, because he. The last election was stolen from. Oh, that's right. Sorry. He yeah. still was in two elections. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. This will be number three. <laughs> yes. Yes. I I don't know what the, the metric equivalent just... is for that, but <laughs> no, the mine just. I, I don't. I understand, John. I understand. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't my first choice the first time around. No, I he mean, was for me. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he was, he was not my first choice. My first choice dropped dropped out right after the Iowa uh, caucus. So, but and and his and his father was is a well known senator from. Texas. So, <clears throat> anyways, you're you're trying to think it over. Yes, I'll look you, it up later. Rand Paul. <laughs> ah, okay. That was my first choice. That was my first choice. He's not his dad, but he was as close to his dad as was in that election. So, yeah. Moving on from there, um, you know, I keep forgetting to bring up this infographic infographic that I shared in uh, our Discord a while back. And for those of you on the audio, it is a little graph chart that global antidepressant users per thousand people. And now I'm not going to say that this is the most accurate, but the source is the CDC. And I don't know if I can blow it up any farther, but uh, there's two different sources. And one of them is the CDC. And it has... Uh, countries listed at the very top, it has Korea. Um, I would assume South Korea, Korea, since we don't know North Korea, but global antidepressant users per thousand people, 13 people per thousand people in Korea and also in Chile are on antidepressants. And the list just keeps, well, the number just keeps growing. Uh, until you get to the very bottom, which 
I can't say that the United States is the largest or is the most, but by this infographic, it is. And that is 110 people per thousand people are on antidepressants. Um, I'm trying to remember what, what year this was, too, because I think it was 2021 or 2022 that the numbers were taken from. But doesn't that alarm anybody? I mean, yep. And I, I don't think I said, yeah, I did not say it in uh, the actual Discord uh, server, but does anybody else think that maybe it could be the food that we're eating? I mean, no, I think it's just doctors pushing well that too that that is i mean the the pharmaceutical industry for sure um has a lot to do with it as well but do you know who owns most of the corporate food processing plants in the country john oh yeah same companies exactly and the same companies uh also say have have publicly not the companies themselves but uh lobbyists for those companies have publicly admitted not whether they've admitted it uh knowingly but one of them had admitted that uh if you can keep if the pharmaceutical industry can keep a child sick so they're on or their goal target is having sick children that will always be on their pharmaceutical products i mean you can't sell drugs if everybody's healthy true i mean and there's so much of the food supply in the u.s that it's a you know i do most of the grocery shopping for our family and everything and like alec and i were talking about this the other day in the signal chat about how you know he he had brought up he had posted a tweet that he had comment or replied to where somebody was comparing like rating fast food hamburgers and everything and alex like well you do realize that so you're still counting fast any fast food hamburger is still technically a one compared to real food when it comes to the rating process right (laughs) when you say it's six out of ten you're talking compared to other fast food hamburgers it'd still be a one compared to you know like an actual hamburger from a real restaurant or something or or a hamburger from from home and everything and your own barbecue yeah and and i pointed out you know look at the soy all the soy based foods that we have in the united states where in a lot of other countries if you look at the ingredient list of the same food that you can buy at the supermarket 
same brand, same label and everything else does not have the same ingredients as our food. We have so much soy and vegetable oil, which is really just soy oil generally crammed into our food. Uh, it's no wonder that we have, I mean, I'm not going to try to get on like a sexist or sexism tirade or anything, but it's no wonder that the male population is turning into beta males and trying to, you know, cut their dicks off and everything else. I mean, soy being indoctrinated. Well, that too, but soy is high on estrogen, not to mention it also has a neurotoxin in it. I mean, and if you throw that into kids' food starting at the age of one or less in a lot of cases, I mean, you're starting them out. My age bracket, soy was not as big as it is now. I mean, growing up, soy wasn't in everything. What's what's really concerning, and the way I look at it is because my stepfather is allergic to soy. Yes, he was a farmer and he grew soy. But it's only been probably the last 15 years that he's had to really start looking at what he eats because he's allergic to soy. He's always been allergic to soy and he's starting to have a lot more symptoms or he's becoming more symptomatic because soy is getting dumped into everything. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just wrong. True. And and it's so hard to find stuff that doesn't have soy. I don't know. I don't really know which is worse at this point, high fructose corn syrup or soy. And almost everything has one or both of them in it. Yep. Okay. I'm I'm done with my rant on that. I'm done on my rant. This is why <laughs> this is why I I try to recommend growing your own food, people, as much as you possibly can. I know there's probably no way that you're going to ever the ninety nine percent of people could not grow even probably third of the food that they actually eat but even one percent of your yearly food if you can grow it yourself is still better than no better than a hundred percent of eating just their food so true uh anyways john do you got anything for us today yep is it a down under segment or is it a rant? Down under. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now for John Down Under. You've been waiting to use that, haven't you? I, I, I I'm going to plead the fifth on this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is about the Australian aircraft industry. Um, hang on. God, I hate when it changes it. Okay, here we go. 
The Australian aircraft industry encompasses a diverse range of activities related to aircraft from production, development, in-service operation and maintenance. The Australian aviation market is estimated to be worth $1.9 billion US in 2024, with the projected decline to $1.63 billion by 2029. That's not a lot. Military aviation holds the largest share in terms of aircraft type driven by geopolitical tension and defence spending. The air transportation industry contributes significantly to the Australian economy, economy, supporting over 2% of the country's GDP through airlines and foreign travellers. In 2020, overall aviation deliveries experienced a 50% decline attributed to production halts, supply chain disruptions, destruction, yeah, you know what I mean, <laughs> and transportation issues during lockdowns. However, commercial aviation witnessed a 270, sorry, 237% rise in air passenger traffic in 2021. Uh, that doesn't sound right with a faster recovery in domestic aviation leading to increased procurement of narrow-body aircraft. General aviation sector, business jets, helicopters, piston and turboprop aircraft saw a surge of 49% in deliveries between 2019 and 2021, driven by factor factors like an increased number of high net worth individuals and fleet expansion by charter operations. Australian defence spending increased by 16% from 2020 to 2021, reaching 31.7 US billion dollars. This investment supports the growth of the military aviation sector. Australia hosts aircraft production, pilot training facilities from overseas industry leaders such as Boeing and Airbus. While the Australian aviation industries faces challenge, it continues to adopt and evolve playing a crucial role in the country's economic landscape. So Australia does a lot more with aviation than a lot of people would know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> It seems like Australia would be a good place to test planes, too. I mean, isn't the... Well, I mean... 
there there's a lot of flat ground in Australia, isn't there? Like out in the yes. desert and stuff. Yep. I mean, it it seems like it'd be a great place to like put some nice big runways and and just be able to test planes. The problem is we don't have the engineers in production to do like prototypes like they do with the big passenger jets. Yeah. We don't have the infrastructure. That's why a lot of what they develop there is more regional and like to New Zealand, uh, Fiji and things like that where they don't do large aircraft that can do from Australia to the US, England, or Europe. Yeah. Hmm. So what you're saying is some of those companies should try to lure some of the some of the engineers down down under to Mm-hmm. Yep. Just start uh, designing down there. <laughs> yeah. Like when I worked at Eclipse Aviation, they were doing uh, the VLJ, very light jet, which very few companies were able to do. The only problem with Eclipse was management. They had one production manager who was trying to build the jets like Ford or GM build cars. And you can't. No, you can't. Because no two aircraft go together exactly the same way. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that aircraft would have been perfect for Australia to New Zealand or air ambulances because it was a, a small jet. Yeah. And that thing could fly as high as the 747s and things like that because it had a pressurized cabin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there there have been cases of, you know, uh assembly lines on on aircraft but that was like world war ii when you weren't pressurizing the cabins like you are yep. now i mean the modern aircraft can't can't be produ- can't be produced that way as far as like except for like tiny little planes like yeah just just standard engine like uh, yeah. prop engine planes and stuff like that. That when I was there, we had, I think it was four aircraft, all the way from the bottom of the fuselage, all the way around until it was going out the door, up to our other production plant, which was putting the wings on and doing all the wiring and things like that. 
So one aircraft could take two to three weeks to move from where it came in the door until it was going out. Yeah. So in a car, what they do a hundred a day, if not more. <laughs> uh no, I don't think it's that much. I mean, I like I I see the GM plants all the time, and if it was if that if that were the case, because with uh they probably do. Oh, uh, God, I don't I don't know. I mean, they they do. I mean. Per plant, maybe twenty five fifty a day or something like that. I, because being working in Lansing and stuff, and GM has had problems ever since uh, COVID with getting the chips for, I believe it's the emission system. So mm-hmm. they've been there's. There's what two or three? I'm trying to think. <laughs> I was way off. I think there. I think there's what two. There's two places, two huge parking lots now, because they were two different plants of GMs. Back in probably 20 years ago, I'm trying to remember when they shut them down. Um, I think they, I think they shut them down back in 2005 ish, maybe 2003. But they tore them down, and they had tried selling the properties, but the properties were so polluted from the paint and everything else from the manufacturing of cars that they've never been able to sell them. Well, since GM hasn't been able to get those chips, they've turned them into huge parking lots. Yeah. And they truck out like they they truck in new cars from their production from the downtown Lansing plant. And they also have a plant um, down in what would it be the Diamonddale area? Yeah. Del Delhi Township. Delphi Township, I can't remember. Um, it, it's down in the Diamonddale area and everything. They're the ones that make uh, the Equinoxes and what is it, the GMC terrain out of that plant. And then the one that is downtown makes um, makes uh, what Camaros and the uh, what is it, the Cadillac, whatever the Cadillac equivalent of the Camaro is and stuff. And they mostly these two parking lots are being used for the Equinox and the terrain because the plant downtown doesn't produce as many um, Corvette or Camaros, of course, and they have plenty of parking lots down there that they're already filling with those. But yeah, they and right now I think one of those parking lots is probably about 
maybe a third full and one's been shut down now for has been empty now for about uh two or three months now i think so okay are you um, coming up with numbers yep the ford truck plane in kentucky average output 88 vehicles per hour 88 between two production lines 88 vehicles yeah well okay but what about gm i'm wondering on gm because gm gm after that whole auto bailout gm still is not back to its glory days oh yeah i mean and i i i feel like they have to produce a hundred a day with as as busy as the plants are but i don't know where that they i don't know where they would be housing or storing them because they can't ship them all out because of these chips And there's no way that these these parking lots hold can hold, you know, a production of a hundred or two hundred or three hundred a day for the volumes that they're that they've okay. been holding. Did you find a number? What's the number? Thirteen. Hundred a per day? day in the U.S. That's the whole. Okay, okay, of the U.S. Okay, throughout the U.S. Not just, not not just, yeah. yeah, not just the each plant or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many plants they have total. I know they have two in Lansing. Yeah, two in Lansing. Or two in the Lansing area. I mean, they used to have what four in the Lansing area, I think. Three. No, they had downtown. They had the one across from Fisher Body, and then they had the newer one out on the west side. But and then I think they also have one down near Detroit or down in Detroit. They have some over in Flint. They have 12 assembly plants in the US, 24 stamping, propulsion, components, and battery plants, 18 distribution facilities. Overall, GM has 1,202 facilities across the u.s yeah <laughs> that's yeah. a lot oh yeah oh yeah yep <laughs> uh, i like ai <laughs> we know john we know you like ai Okay, I am going to get into my topic real quick, and that is uh, to go along with my tirade earlier on uh, soy and 
the our food supplies, and that is, hey, spring is around the corner. Guess what time it is beginning to be, and that is seed starting time. Sixth season. What? Oh, sorry. (laughs) Hold on. I'm getting there. Anyways. (laughs) So it is seed starting time. How do you know it's seed starting time? Have you bought any packs of seeds? Do you ever look at the back of the seeds of the instructions? Um, Some are going to say uh, plant indoors or outdoors, depending on what it is. Uh, So many weeks before the last frost and other ones are going to say after so many weeks after the last frost. Um, And so the first thing that you're going to want to do is go to the Farmer's Almanac website, unless you have a handy-dandy copy of the Farmer's Almanac, put in, there is a place, um, I will try to put the link in the show notes, there's a place to go there, type in your zip code, and it will tell you when the average last frost of the season is. Uh, And that is historically recorded the average time frame that your last frost for your area is. So taking that knowledge and according to whatever the seeds, the seed packet says, um, that's when you need to calculate when you have to start planting those seeds. Um, Now, like I said, there are certain seeds that you plant outside. before your last frost and then there's seeds that you plant inside before your last frost um and then there's seeds that you plant anytime after your last frost or like generally when they mean so many weeks after your last frost that's just sort of guaranteeing that you're going to not have to worry about uh you know rare late frost or something like that so Generally, anytime after your last frost of the year, you can plant them outside. And the seeds that generally you want to start outside, and this is a lot more from personal experience, but also uh, some of it's well known. Beans, pole beans, bush beans, a lot easier to plant them outside. A lot more, uh, I, I wouldn't say economically, but and it's a lot easier to just plant them outside, sow them directly into the ground where you where you have your garden. Um, next, corn. And the reason for this is corn is not a very good pot-stable plant. You don't generally want to plant corn in a, in a cup or in any kind of planter and then have to transport it and put it outside. Not to mention... It takes a lot of corn to get a decent yield out of corn. Um, But plant it outside in the direct ground. Cucumbers are also a good one to plant outside. Um, You can start them inside if you really want to, but there's really not that big of a point that I've noticed. Um, You're still going to get a decent harvest outside if you plant them after your last frost, generally. Uh, Radish. Um, same, 
same thing. Carrots too. Uh, you don't really want to start them in pot inside in pots. Um, uh, lettuce. Um, I will say something about radish and or radish and carrot though. Uh, make sure to hey John has the latest copy of the Farmer's Almanac right there on camera. The wife. The wife has the latest copy of, and she's letting John touch it very gently. Do not hold any of those pages, John. I don't. I don't need to come to your funeral. Oh, oh dear God! Don't spread the Vegemite <laughs> on it. Don't spread the Vegemite on. It. <laughs> but as you I was, I want to die. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't know. Sometimes people have death wishes. <laughs> No. <laughs> sometimes, no. hold on. Sometimes married men have death wishes. <laughs> sometimes. No. I, I that is. I am glad to hear that, John. <laughs> As I was saying, radishes and and uh, carrots. Make sure to to uh, plant them in sandier soil, looser soil, because like where I live, my soil is quite clay. And with clay, uh, they don't generally grow that that well. They become sort of uh, stubby. Um, that's why I actually got the daikon radishes is to sort of break up that clay soil. Anyways, um, seeds that you I would definitely recommend starting inside, and that's because um, they generally take longer to grow, uh, longer to start fruiting, and uh, especially up here, um, peppers have a real hard time uh, in the more northern climates. So peppers, tomatoes, and then uh, some some of some of your herbs, uh, medicinal or you know culinary herbs, uh, they just get a better start if you start them inside. Um, uh, what seeds need? or what you need to do for your seeds if you are growing them inside and actually what seeds need in general. Uh, one of the first things is make sure that you have good seed. How do you know if you have good seed? If it's an heirloom seed, it's generally going to be a good seed, especially if it's an heirloom seed that is an heirloom seed, you know, common to your area, your region, um, not an heirloom seed that's, not like one of John's heirloom seeds that I'm trying to grow up here in, you know, mid to northern Michigan. Um, definitely not going to work. You know, New Mexico is a completely different region than uh, Michigan. So just look at today. <laughs> I know. For those of you that don't know, John sent me a nice picture of the snow that he got today. <laughs> and At I sent it <laughs> five inches. And I sent him a picture of the green grass out of my backyard. <laughs> how how did it do a complete flip? I I don't know. It sort of seems fast backwards to me. Anyways, <laughs> so start out with good seed, uh, preferably like an heirloom seed from your region. Um, seeds need uh, moisture, of course. Uh, too much moisture is too not good, but you need to keep the soil moist. Um, uh, on top of that, you need to have warm soil. 
And if you're starting them inside, uh, make sure that with the warm soil, if you can't, just because the ambient temperature inside might be warm throughout the day or at certain points of the day, doesn't mean that the soil is going to, you know, reciprocate the same temperature. Um, so if you're starting them inside and say you want, you normally try to keep your house around 65 degrees, um, not necessarily the best for starting seeds. You can get specific plant growing uh, heat mats. Are you okay over there, John? Yeah, I just need <clears throat> something to put my foot on because my knee is playing up. Oh. Oh, that's better. Yeah. Sucks growing old, doesn't it, John? Fuck yes. <laughs> Every day. Every day. <laughs> so yep. warm 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 soil is is a is a plus. Um that will cause the seed to germinate faster. Uh light, of course. Um now really the light doesn't when it comes to before the seed actually sprouts and comes out and comes above uh the dirt, um generally that light is mostly just to help warm the soil. Um but once it does sprout and once it germinates and leaves the soil, uh then you definitely want to look at light. And um what we've always done in the past is uh, put them in a south-facing window so it's getting natural sunlight. The downside with that is we can't control how much light it's getting or they're getting, um, which can also cause them to, uh, I, I've heard the term leggy, pretty much the sprouts just get long and you just got some leaves at the very top and otherwise you have a very long base, which uh generally at some point it just can't support its own weight anymore and it collapses so this is the first year i got some brand new grow lights that i'm sure people think that i'm you know pulling an alec and growing pot or something because i got these the six pack of grow lights but no, these are these are for my vegetable seeds and non-cannabis uh, herbal seeds. <laughs> no, no, they're vegetable seeds. <laughs> Anyways, um, I, and it's funny because nowadays you can get six of these that five years ago would have caught. You can get six of them for the same price that five years ago you were able to only get one for that price and stuff which is nice um these ones i just got on sale for what 55 dollars for six of them and they're two feet long each one of them so not bad at all not bad at all they can all be wired together it's wired together or wired individually um it's it's pretty nice i am pretty excited to hook these hook these bad boys up um but anyways uh so uh, some uh, lighting, uh, either the the nice thing about the nice thing about the grow lights. Say you have the seed 
right here. You can't really here. say say this right here is where you have your seeds and the seedlings growing. Well, you can lower the you can lower the grow light down just above the soil, and once the seedling starts popping above the soil, you can constantly move up the grow lights to maintain about two inches above the seedling which will help the seedling establish itself and get a thicker stalk um you know it's better to have a seedling that's this tall that is bushy and green all over it and the stalk is you know that big around than something that's got a stock that big around. Okay, you pervert. <laughs> it's got a stock that big around and is this tall. <laughs> and the grow lights will help that. <laughs> I John, didn't say it would. John, keep your stock and keep your stock in there, okay? <laughs> I didn't say it would. Okay. Next. Make sure that you are growing in good soil. And whether you're growing inside or outside, you still need good soil. If it's got too much clay, it'll hold hold the water on top and not allow the roots to break through as easily. Um, like I was saying with the uh, radishes and the carrots, it'll sort of stunt the, the root growth. Um, so good, loose soil. Um, if you're growing inside some good potting soil like the Fox Farm stuff, um, it is also recommended that you mix in some of your native soil that they will be growing in once you transplant them outside generally, if as long as you're not planning on keeping them in a pot the whole time. Um, but some you want to put some of the native soil in there so that way it, picks up on some of the native nutrients um, and it helps it harden for uh, when it's going to be living the rest of its life outside. Um, so that come that brings me to my next point. Once it does warm up past your last freeze um, and you feel comfortable enough uh, where you're going to start moving them outside, uh, you need to harden the plants to the outside. And generally this is done by gradually giving them time outside, um, giving them more time outside each day or each couple days, um, getting them accustomed to to the outside elements uh, if they've been started inside. Uh, usually, you just want to wait for, you know, once that last frost is gone and everything. Uh, sunny days generally take take the plants out, let them sit in the sun for, you know, a few hours, get them, get them accustomed to the outside temperatures, bring them back in, uh, do it again the next day a little bit longer and just keep gradually working it, working them in longer and longer um, in, in getting them used to the outside weather. Uh, other than starting seeds, spring is also, uh, you know, the time that you want to look at propagating plants off of clippings. Uh, and what you'll generally see for that is like fruit, 
fruit bushes, fruit trees, fruit shrubs, um, and any of that is generally what you're going to look at uh, growing off of clippings. And what you'll want to do is do that in the spring before the sap is really running uh, inside these plants. And generally what you want to do is cut off some of the new growth is generally what you want to do. Cut off some of the new growth. Um, you don't generally need that much to cut off. Um, I've heard some people recommend anywhere from five inches to a foot um, of new growth. Um, and then once you do that, depending on what it is, and, and you'll have to look it up because everything is different, but a lot of times uh, when you cut off those branches, the bottom where you're going to plant it in the ground, uh, there will be like nodes on them where it'll bud, it'll be budding new leaves, it'll be budding new branches or, or anything else. You want to sort of like um, scratch those off or somewhat damage them, open them up, open up the flesh of the branch. Uh, and what that's going to do is down there at the bottom, that's where the new roots are going to sprout. Um, and some, some you can just immediately, you know, cut them, do that from directly into some good uh, dirt, and they will establish from there. Um, others are not quite that easy. And what it's recommended that you do is uh, get. It's called rooting hormone, um, and a lot of times it's not the nicest stuff to get get splashed on your hands, or you don't want to be exposed to. Uh, you don't want to expose skin to it. But what you do is, um, you take the rooting hormone and you stick that end of the the end of the branch that you've clipped off and you've you know uh, scratched off the nodes. Stick that in the rooting hormone. Uh, for, you know, just a few seconds and then take it out. Uh, some, some, uh, clippings are going to recommend that you soak them in water until roots, uh, start, uh, coming out. Other ones are going to be just stick it straight into dirt and make sure the dirt stays moist and the, it'll root. But either way, just look it up, whatever plant it is that you're plant or whatever bush you're planning on uh propagating this way um i plan on doing this with several different bushes that i have in my yard and probably some a couple of our fruit trees as well this year um and possibly uh you know giving away some of them to some of the extras to uh friends and family nearby uh john i would love to try to send you some bushes and stuff but i don't know whether they would make it through the postal service to you down there i don't know because the wife gets some um, seedlings and things like that from the abba foundation yeah i mean and a lot of times with them they're set up different i mean i can try i can definitely try to try to get you like i don't know whether elderberry grow down there but i could try to get you some elderberry starters if you want hang on 
I I don't know whether elderberry. Elderberry. Yep. I don't know if they grow down there or not. I guess I could look, but they're really good for elderberries. Really good for um, cold and flu. Plus, they smell the blossoms smell amazing when they when they're flowering. The wife said, "Not naturally." Oh, not but naturally. You can grow it. Can you? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey, if you're interested, maybe I'll send it. I, with elderberry. You need um two different breeds for them to uh to actually take off with a uh, good flowering and uh. Um, fruiting and stuff and i have two different breeds so i'll ask the watch okay yeah let me know i'll I'll send you i'll send you a branch of each because i'm i'm definitely i'm definitely planning on doing some splitting of those this year too so so i want i want more i only have one of each in my yard and i want to have at least two more of each so myself um but yeah, other otherwise that that is just a little bit of the four one one on uh, starting seeds and uh, propagating from clippings. Um, next, the herb of the week. So you know Valentine's Day is coming up on Wednesday, and roses are red, violets are blue. Uh, you would think that I would be able to have this memorized by by now, but sugar is sweet, and so are you. Okay, so I've already <laughs> I've already talked about the medicinal purposes of uh, or the benefits of roses, but I haven't talked about the. I don't think I've talked about the other one in, of that rhyme, which is the violet. Um, I don't know if people understand that violets that grow naturally or grow wildly, well, at least around here they grow wild, um, have just about as many or better uh, qualities or benefits than roses. But violets, the flowers and leaves can be used for tinctures, uh, teas, and massage oil. Um, They're usually used to uh, soothe and release or relieve congested lymphatic systems, um, which the lymphatic system helps uh, uh, helps your immune system and moving, you know, toxins in and out of your body, out of the bloodstream, and everything else. Um, it's especially good as a massage or a, com- or a massage oil or a compre- compress for. Uh, breast or prostate um, issues too. So, uh, and let me pull you up picture of violets. If you don't know what a violet looks like, but um, these ones right here in the top left, or the same one, I guess, in the on the right side of the screen. That one's generally the common one that I see in the wild all over all over around us and stuff. Um, leaves like that, it grows all over our yard. Um, it grows all over. It's it's pr- pretty popular in yards. 
Um, and the wild stuff is perfectly fine for. Um, it's recommended generally to clip the, if you don't don't need it fresh, just clip the flower, clip the blossoms, and uh, air dry the blossoms um, until you do need them. So that is the herb of the week. John, do you got anything else for us? Nope. Okay. Well, in that case, I am going to remind everybody to subscribe to us on the pod, on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, mine is Fountain.fm, which uh, for those of you that like Joe Rogan's podcast, uh, I know Alex's wife loves Joe Rogan. Um, I just noticed, I, I, I don't know if it's been recently or if they did it since the last time I looked, but Joe Rogan used to have a contract with Spotify and you could really only get his podcast through Spotify or like Apple. Um, but fountain.fm now has, uh, the whole Joe Rogan, uh, library as well. So, um, anyways, so fountain.fm is who I recommend for a podcast 2.0 application. Um, otherwise just about any podcast catcher you can find has us um let's subscribe to us on your podcatcher and also follow us on social media mostly uh instagram noster join our discord server and talk to john dave al sometimes alec chris and i um on discord we're also on twitter and those are those are the main ones anyways um until next week this is luke This is John. And keep your powder dry. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.